At those times in Jesus's ministry where the crowds of people coming to him for healing would grow larger than ever, he tended to attract another type of attention too. In Mark chapter 7, beginning with the first verse, now when the Pharisees gathered to him, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that are defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. At a time where multitudes of people are coming to Jesus with all manner of sickness or demon possession and experience healing, liberation, at a time when people from all walks of life are hearing proclaimed the good news about God's kingdom, about his reign, you have the Pharisees and the scribes, some of the most religious people in their society, some of them who know what the Hebrew scriptures teach better than anybody they are looked to as the experts, the authorities by all the rest of society, and they come when all of these healings, all of this powerful teaching is going on. And the first thing they notice is some of your disciples don't wash their hands. Now let's back up for a minute. Part of that was rooted in the Hebrew scriptures emphasis and the teaching of the law of Moses that God's people need to keep themselves pure. There was ritual cleanliness outside of even just sin and morality. This idea that God's people shouldn't have anything to do with that which is associated with death. In many ways, we can see the wisdom of a lot of those laws and what we know about public health now. Even millennia before germs had ever been identified, God had taught his people to keep themselves apart from certain things, and if they had exposures, to wash themselves thoroughly and to, to quarantine for a certain amount of time to make sure that there was no spread among the other people. So there's a lot of wisdom in cleaning there, but there wasn't actual laws that God had ever given through Moses that you had to wash your hands. Now, that had been a tradition that teachers over the centuries had developed as the best way to make sure they were observing those teachings about cleanness and ritual purity was to make sure that they had certain procedures that they followed for washing before meals, for washing what they lay on or what they eat with. And all of those traditions are good. 
I think you would be hard pressed to find somebody that would argue with the practical wisdom of washing your hands before you eat, of washing your hands after you come back from the marketplace. We might not do it for the same ritualistic reasons that the Jews in the first century did, but I think any of us today, after coming out from the mall around the holiday shopping season, would appreciate that before you start putting your hands around your mouth, you might want to wash them. But that wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't whether or not this tradition of washing was good. The issue was that God was clearly doing something unprecedented, something absolutely astounding through Jesus and all these scribes and Pharisees could see was whether or not his followers washed their hands before they ate. That is a problem. When God is so clearly moving, when God is with something in a powerful way, and the people that supposedly know his word the best, the people who hold themselves up as being the teachers of the multitudes, all they can see are nitpicky traditions, then whatever good that those traditions might have been intended to accomplish, whatever good those traditions may have accomplished throughout history, they're no longer serving that purpose. Because now they're being used to nitpick the work of God. Now they're being used to create separation between God and the people that he's trying to draw near. We've got to be on the lookout for this because these folks, these scribes and Pharisees, meant well and should have known better, but they ended up fulfilling a 700-year-old prophecy that the Hebrew prophet Isaiah had given by demonstrating that while they paid lip service to doing what God wanted, their hearts were actually far from him. As we come to know Jesus, let us be challenged to not make the same mistake that they did, to not let our preconceived notions, our preferred way of doing things come between us and Jesus. Let's not get so hung up on having things look the way we think they should look, even if we've got good reasons for it, even if our way of doing things is really good, that we end up overlooking amazing ways that God is working because it doesn't fit our mental because it doesn't look the way we think it should look. There can be a lot of good things that we do, a lot of worthwhile traditions we keep, but if they start to come between us and God, if they start to put up stumbling blocks between other people and coming to know God, then they're no longer good because God is good. And Jesus is the one who allows us to experience God with us. 
and no other idea that you or I ever come up with is going to be anywhere near as good. 